0: Pittsburgh Steeler fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman, and this is Let's Ride it's your Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning podcast right here on the Steel Curtain Network, which is a part of the Fans for Sports Network. And folks, you know this by now: it is not a victory Monday we're not giving away a t-shirt. We're not talking about playoff implications. I mean, we can talk about that, but the Steelers lose and they lose in a really bad way. 24 to 10 loss to the Arizona Cardinals. If you stayed up for all that one, and I say stayed up, I'm not saying it was up late. It was the fact that my gosh, if you didn't fall asleep, I don't know, I don't know how you didn't. I felt like it We'll talk about the weather delays and all that stuff that happened, and let's start this podcast off, post-game podcast, win or lose, with the news. That's the most important thing. And we always start off with the injuries. So we'll talk about some of the minutia first, and then we'll finish up with the biggest injury of them all in terms of the details and what we know now compared to what we knew at the end of the game. So Landon Roberts suffered a groin injury. He tried to go back out there, tried to you know, do what Cam Hayward did all the way back in week one when he suffered his groin Tried to give it a go, can't. like that. Those groin injuries are really tough when it comes to change of direction. He was then ruled out of the game. Then, Isaac Sayomalu, which was injured, he injured his shoulder on the same play that Kenny Pickett hurt his ankle. He was ruled out of the game. TJ Watts suffered an ankle injury. Not sure what happened there. I saw the video. Someone found the clip and they played it. I don't know if he's accusing of like some malicious stuff, but TJ Watts had some comments after the game about... Didn't want to say anything about the NFL. It was really, really strange. I think it might have had to do with a holding call or something. I don't know, but it's going to be worth to look into that. And I'm going to have to try and do that and try to figure that out. But T.J. Watt has an ankle injury. He was able to go back in and play, but you have to remember, probably not very effective. Uh, one of the most interesting things was when Mike Tomlin, after the game, he went to the podium and said that Minka Fitzpatrick broke his hand in the first half, and because of the weather delays, he was actually able to go and get it casted, and he didn't miss much time, if any time at all. Who would have thought? So, Minka Fitzpatrick is going to be dealing with this broken hand now for probably several weeks. Going to have to have a cast on it. A lot of players have done this, but you have to imagine as a safety, it's going to limit your ability to catch footballs if they're thrown your way. Just really bad luck for someone that just came back to the lineup after his stint with his hamstring injury. But the biggest injury of all was Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett's injury to his ankle, which we were not we weren't sure initially. We saw him on the sidelines wearing a walking boot and things like that. After the game, Mike Tomlin didn't know much, said he didn't have any more updates, said that we are going to go with Mitch Trubisky if the, you know, Kenny couldn't go. Well, after, you know, I'm getting ready to record this later in the evening, news breaks. Jerry Dulack of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette says that Kenny Pickett is expected to miss an extended period of time. Then he updates that tweet and says, now he's hearing that there's a chance for surgery. If he has to have surgery, it could be a season-ending injury. Then he has another tweet that says that he is having a procedure done on his ankle, and he's going to be at anywhere from two to four weeks. Now, I'm not sure if that is a two- to four-week stint where it's a calendar or if it's by games. I don't know. But it looks like Kenny Pickett's going to be done for at least the short term. And while a lot of fans will say, ah, what's the what's the big loss anyways, Kenny Pickett does give them the best chance to win. I think we can all admit that. His play has not been good, been far from great, but he gives them the best chance to win. And so when he's not in the lineup and they have to go to Mitch Trubisky or if they choose to go to Mason Rudolph if Trubisky is ineffective – it's going to deter their chances of actually doing anything positive down the stretch. So that's what we know at the time of this being recorded as it pertains to Kenny Pickett's ankle injury. But this game was odd. It was weird. It was just a strange game. When I think about how the game played out, excuse me, I think about the weather delays. My gosh, it felt like the game that just wouldn't end. You know, I forget what show it was. Might have been like pork chop or something. I don't know if that's right. Lamb chop. I think it was lamb chop. I don't know. This is the song that doesn't end. It just goes on and on. My friend, it's that's what it felt like. I was sitting on my couch, and these delays were happening. And so, thank God, I have Sunday tickets. So I'm able to watch other games that are going on. But I'm watching, him like, okay, when are they going to come back out? I feel horrible for Dave Schofield, who took his daughter to the game. They're in the concourse area. He has no clue what's going on. And just miserable conditions. Just an awful, awful conditioned game, meaning that the weather delays have to – it's awful. Anyone that's coached or played in a, in a team sport that's outside, where all of a sudden you're you're in the midst of games and you're – You know, the ebb and flow of things, you're out there, you're warmed up, and you have to take an extended break. That's really tough to come back from. Uh, Some teams obviously handle it better than others, but just a weird game. And so after the game, headed over to the post-game show, and that's kind of cathartic at times. Had a lot of people that were really pissed off, rightfully so. And I was thinking about this during the post-game show, kind of mentioned it a few times. But after the game, took the dogs for a walk with the family, got outside, got something to eat, and I just wanted to let everything kind of sit. I wanted to think. I didn't want to have like this knee-jerk reaction. We do that on the post-game show. That's what it's for. But I wanted this to be a little bit more thought-provoking from a podcast perspective. I didn't want to just get on here and just rail on about this, that, or the other. I personally try my best to not be that shock jock personality when it comes to my podcast. I want this to be more thought-provoking. I want to have more detail to my podcast and not be super broad. And so I started to think about the age-old saying with Mike Tomlin, and that is, the standard is the standard. That has been said ad nauseum. It's been put on T-shirts. It's on the flipping wall of the locker room at Akersher Stadium. The standard is the standard. That saying started when Mike Tomlin was referencing how when one player gets injured, the player that is replacing said injured player is going to be held to the same standard as the prior player was. That's it. That sort of got started. And then all of a sudden it just became this this thing. It became huge. It became everyone started saying it and it started to take on new meaning and new life. Well, what does it mean in 2023? What is the standard anymore? That that was the question I had running through my head, and I was trying to answer that question. What is the standard for the Steelers anymore? Is it success, just a very broad based term, success? Can't say it is. That's been very minimal. Is it the playoffs? Not really. Not really. People say, what are you, celebrating getting to the playoffs? Can't say they've been able to do that in recent years. Is it Super Bowls? (laughs) No. No, it is not. I laugh at that. I laugh at the thought of someone suggesting that Super Bowls are the standard. This was a deflating, crushing loss. And it made me think, I have felt this feeling way more than the euphoria of a big win, of making those postseason pushes. I have felt this feeling more than I have the alternative, and maybe that is the standard. Not my feeling, but the deflating, crushing loss. We can all go back and talk about games that stick out in our minds. The Mike Lennon Tampa Bay Buccaneers game. The Bruce Gradkowski Raiders game. The Jacksonville Jaguars game in 2017 in Week 5, where Ben threw five picks, or in the divisional round, that playoff loss. The loss to the Cleveland Browns in 2020 in the postseason at Heinz Field. We can go through all of them, but maybe that is the new standard. Not being a, a cut above, but going down below the competition. Look, this was more than just a bad loss, folks. For those that are out there just saying, you know, it's just one of those days. It was weird. The weather, uh, the injuries, it was just strange. Like, Just chalk it up, burn the tape, move on. That's what the team's going to do. I understand that. But this was, to me, from my perspective, and this is only my perspective, this was more than just a bad loss. This was a loss which signified a constant thread with this team. They are fragile, which always makes me think of a Christmas story. Fragile. Must be Italian. No, we're not talking about that awesome Christmas movie. We're talking about the fragility of the Pittsburgh Steelers. If I could give you a scenario or a sequence that would de- would perfectly describe how fragile this Steelers team is, it happened in this game on Sunday. So the Steelers are facing a fourth and one from from the one-yard line. Fourth and goal from the one. That's the way I should have put it. Okay? I understand Kenny Piggy gets hurt Mitch Trubisky comes in. I know, and I hate the thought, and I hate why the decision to go from the shotgun, but they did. Mitch Trubisky's in there, hits his first snap. No reps with Mason Cole, really, so put him in the shotgun. Okay. But you don't even get the push for a yard. And it, I got to be honest, it wasn't even close. It wasn't close. Najee Harris ran into a brick wall of the backs of his offensive linemen. I did not, did not want the Steelers to kick a field goal there. I thought that was would be a super cowardly move. I said, go get the yard. And if not, your defense is playing great. They're, they're going to make the stop. So what is the fragility of the Steelers? You don't make that one yard. You don't make that one play. And then the alternative happens, the flip side of that happens, and that is the the Arizona Cardinals, of all teams, the prior to this game, two-win Arizona Cardinal team that had not won on the road since 2022 drives 99 yards down the teeth of your defense and puts up a touchdown has one taken away, and then they score again on that same drive. That was unbelievably deflating because you're thinking, okay, if even if we don't get the fourth down, there's no way they're going to drive 99 yards, and they did. Fragile. The minimal mistakes that caused this team to just at times crumble. This speaks to a lot of things with this Pittsburgh Steelers team. It speaks to mental weakness. When you talk about a team that when things aren't going their way, there's, there's one, one of two things you can do. You're either thriving or you're barely surviving. When this team doesn't have things going their way, they are barely surviving. Flip or fly, they didn't do either of them. They're barely keeping their head above the water, and then eventually they go under. It is mental weakness. That, that, that leads to other things. There's physical mistakes. The tackling in this game was absolutely horrendous. And it, don't give me the, well, you know, it was wet and it was raining. The Arizona Cardinals were playing on the same field. It wasn't like the Steelers were in some bubble where it was pouring down rain and the Cardinals were over on the dry turf. That's BS. The physical mistakes, the penalties, the boneheaded decisions were just it's, it's just reeks of a team that just can't get out of their own way. The mental errors. I mentioned the penalties early in the third quarter when the Steelers are still in striking distance. You're down by two scores. And I know at the time, now with the game over, hindsight, you're saying there's no chance. They, they had no chance. But what I'm saying is at that time, they did. They did have a chance. And what happens in the third quarter? Chooks for for whatever reason... Isn't paying attention or doesn't know that he's supposed to go on the field. They they don't have enough players on the field to run a play and have to run, have to burn a timeout early in the third quarter because they didn't have the right personnel on the field. Mental errors, mental errors. These teams are unprepared, and it's just poor, poor coaching. It, it's it, that's exactly what it is. When you say they're unprepared, yes half of that is on the players to have to take in what the coaches are coaching and then implement it. But if the coaches aren't laying it on the line the way that they have to to the point where the players will actually absorb it, that's on the coaches. This team is unbelievably fragile. And that is a damning statement for a head coach. Anyone that's coached any sport, any team sport, I want to be very, very specific here, Any coach that has coached a team sport from high school up, the one thing you don't want someone to say about your team is they are weak mentally and they are fragile. That's, oh my gosh, that would be awful. You want your team to be tough. You want your team to be hard-nosed. You want people, even if you lose a game, to after the game say, damn, that's a well-coached team and maybe they just didn't make enough plays. But you don't want someone to say that your team is mentally weak and they will cave under pressure, and it's exactly what the Steelers are doing right now. Is it fixable? So we all know the things that I just mentioned are not, it's not breaking news to anyone that's watched this team. But is it fixable? That's a great question. To me, it takes every single individual from the head coach all the way on down to the, the, the last player on the bench. They have to take a really long, and it's sometimes very difficult look at themselves in the mirror. And sometimes they have to answer some questions that they might not want to answer. Places they don't want to go for obvious reasons, you got to go there. And unfortunately, I don't think it's fixable in season. Sometimes you have to get rid of people to change that. And so that's why I don't think it's necessarily going to happen in season. Can it happen in the offseason? Absolutely. The culture can change. Culture can change in the course of an offseason. It only takes a few moves, and I'm not suggesting coaches, head coaches, but this can change. I just don't see it happening in season. Is the season over? Is all of this doom and gloom? Is this one game, now that they're 7-5, and does it equate in this season being a wrap? Hey, put it away, it's done, over with. No, I can't say that it is. I can't sit here and tell you that it is, but... This performance better be a one-hit wonder. And I know some will say, Jeff, we've seen this. We've seen this movie before. It's happened already this season several times. I get it. I understand that. But moving forward, unless this team's going to have some offensive outburst or the defense is going to start taking the ball away again, which that's that well has dried up a little bit right now, then this this team is in trouble. Even with the lowly New England Patriots coming to town on Thursday night football, this team's in trouble. So is this season over? Win on Thursday, advance to 8-5, and five, and you'll be okay. Lose on Thursday, and now all of a sudden, get ready for the sky is falling. Let's just hope we don't have to deal with that. All right, went a little long in the first half. My apologies in the second half. We've got a lot of losers to talk about in the winners and losers segment. Two winners, 11 losers. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. It is time for the winners and losers segment. In case you didn't know this, you can go to steelcurtainnetwork.com at 9.30 a.m. Eastern Time on Friday, and you can read about the winners and losers because sometimes what I write about them is not necessarily the same as what I say about them in my podcast, but you'll also hear my podcast. The player will be in the article, steelcurtainnetwork.com, and I also want to give a big shout-out to fansforsports.com. I would like everyone that's out there that loves sports... Like, if you just like to read about sports, we have some phenomenal content at fansfirstsports.com. Everything about the college football playoffs, NFL stuff. We've got Major League Baseball and the Hall of Fame announcements. I mean, you name it, we've got to check it out, fansfirstsports.com. Really proud of what we're building over there. It's, it's, It's young, but it's growing. Let's get to the winners and losers, though. Only two winners. Here we go. Running game. That's the first winner. The Steelers had 31 carries, 130 yards, a 4.2-yard average, no touchdowns, with an 18-yard long. You know, the 4.2 average, some people will poo-poo that and say, well, oh, it's not as high as they want it to be. This team, in the second half, they couldn't run the ball as much and they had to throw it more. They were running the ball at will in the first half. And this is why I, I always question if sometimes coaches, and, and the Steelers' coaching staff is not the only ones, that they, they kind of outthink themselves. They see something, they're having success, and I'm not suggesting that they run the same play over and over again. Trust me, the Steelers tried that. I mean, how many times did we see a Najee Harris or Jalen Warren sweep call where they pitch it out to the side, and then they try and just read the play as it goes with the blockers, find a seam, and go? It can work, but sometimes you can go to the well too many times. I just think that the Steelers' run game has been so good for the last five, five or six games that's what they really need to lean on i know it's a passing league i know that they want at the time kenny pickett to show that he is worthy of their first round grade i don't care i honestly don't care move the ball score points however you can get them if that means that you run the ball run the ball run the ball then run the ball until you don't get that they stop it And dave Schofield in the post game show he joined us from his vehicle after the game he was all wet and stuff and he was saying how you know what he didn't understand is Najee Harris or Jalen Warren would gain six or seven yards on first down which sets up a manageable second third and three and four yards to go they wouldn't they, they would throw the ball in that scenario now all of a sudden you're in third down same distance was why wouldn't they just run the ball again and try and get a first down or at least set up third and really short some of those questions still remain Sometimes I think people outthink themselves, but the running game did not disappoint. I liked it. Let's go to the next winner is George Pickens. I that George Pickens played a great game. Four catches on five targets for 86 yards, a 21 and half yard average. He didn't score a touchdown with a 38-yard long. You know, George Pickens is a guy that if the Steelers are going to do anything, especially without Kenny Pickett, he's got to be a guy they start to say, okay, here we go. Like, we got to get him going. We need to get George Pickens going. We need to get him you know, going in the right direction. And so uh, for that, I, I think they got to lean on him more. Lean on that. The, the two winners that I have here today are the players that they need to lean on if they want to make something out of the season. The running game and their superstar stud, I still think he's a great player. George Pickens, their wide receiver. Okay, unfortunately, that's it for the winners. That's it. I tried. Thought about pass rushers. No, nah, not really. Not really. Uh, special teams, No. Definitely not. Uh, so here we go. Let's go to the losers list. Mason Cole tops the losers list today. More bad snaps. The bad snap to Mitch Trubisky, which resulted in a fumble recovered by Arizona. I think they had started the drive. I think they were in the red zone. You just it, It's not the first time we've seen this. Mason Cole, I said this in the offseason. People asked me in my mailbag, Hey, Jeff, how would you label Mason Cole? And I would always say the same thing. He's a stopgap. I was pounding on the table last offseason for the Steelers to draft a center and they didn't and they thought that Mason Cole was going to rebound he was injured last season this is why I wanted a center in the offseason it's not about me being right it's about the fact that I don't think that Mason Cole is that guy he's not the guy the Steelers need him to be so with all that being said Mason Cole's performances have left a lot to be desired he was on the losers list next loser is a captain on the team would be special teams captain Miles Killebrew. He had three special teams penalties himself. Running into the kicker, he hit a... And running into the kicker, I, I get it. Sometimes you get blocked into the kicker, the punter. Then he, he hit a return when he fair caught the ball, and then a brutal face mask. So you already have a shanked punt by Par- Presley Harvin. And then you face mask on a tackle, gives him 15 yards added onto the end of the run, you're giving them not only great field position with a short punt, but now you're putting them in Pittsburgh territory. Miles Killebrew had a game to forget. We'll put it that way. I'm not going to pile on the guy. The injuries of the next loser. Obviously, at the top of the show, I talked about the laundry list of players. Kenny Pickett, all the way down on the TJ Watt, with a short week, couldn't come at a worse time. I'm not going to talk about that too much. Y'all know how bad the Steelers are when it comes to injuries right now. Let's go to the next loser. Run defense. The Arizona Cardinals rushed for 130 yards, averaging 4.2 yards per carry. You know, it, the Steelers, they, they just couldn't make the plays. James Conner. Kudos to James Conner, by the way. Let me give a shout-out to Jimmy Conner, as I used to call him when he was in Pittsburgh. I love James Conner. I've always loved James Conner. I, I wish James Conner was back in Pittsburgh. In fact, I'll say it now. I was going to wait until the offseason. I would trade Najee Harris to Arizona – To get give me James Conner and maybe like a late round draft pick, I would make that deal in a heartbeat because James Conner paired with Jalen Warren, where he doesn't have to be the bell cow back, would be perfect for this team. Would be perfect for this team. What a great duo that would be at running back. I I would love it. Probably not going to happen, but nonetheless, I'd love to see James Conner back in Pittsburgh if it could because he's he's a good back when he's healthy. You saw him running hard. Tough to bring down. Very rarely goes down on first contact. He was great. He was great. Rushed over 100 yards. Steelers defense could not do anything. I mentioned the tackling earlier in the show was awful. Run defense was rough. The next loser, Deontay Johnson's touchdown celebration. This dude is tone deaf. And he's not the only one. Like, George Pickens went over and was celebrating with him. You know, after the game, once it finally ended, finally... I'm watching the the Philadelphia Eagles and San Francisco 49ers. I was pissed that the Steelers game went long, and I didn't get to watch all of that game. Nonetheless, I'm watching the Eagles get their they're, – they're getting beat pretty bad. And Jalen Hurts scores a touchdown, and I'm watching this, and I'm like, okay, what's his reaction? He didn't have a reaction. Tossed the ball to a ref, or I might have just dropped it on the ground, walked to the sideline. And then I think they scored another touchdown later, and that's the same thing. And I was like, these guys, at least they get it. At least they get it in that moment. That, yes, you scored a touchdown. Fantastic. You are being beat. And you're not, it's not even close. You don't celebrate. You just go to your sideline and you say, let's go get him the next play. You might be celebrating to yourself inside. You might be saying, oh, that felt good to finally get in the end zone again. But you don't throw the ball up and do some stupid celebration that you and your teammates probably had planned throughout the week as you thought the Steelers were going to crush the Cardinals. What are you doing? Deontay Johnson, You're tone deaf would not be shocked. If the dude's gone in the off season would not be shocked. If he's one of those culture changes and gets shipped away, would not be shocked. Okay. Let's go to the next one. Coaching. What, what the hell was that? that that's the stat line. What the hell was that? I mean, I just don't understand the premise of how they approach this game. You hear someone like Jalen Warren after the game. He said this. There's video. Find it on my Twitter feed. He, they said, do you think you kind of overlooked him? He's like, yeah, I think we did. Wait a second. Like, yikes. What? What? You you openly state that you think the team overlooked an opponent? That points to coaching. That means the coaches did not do their jobs. Awful. Let's go to the next loser. Penalties. Steelers are penalized nine times for 77 yards. When you think about some of the backbreaking penalties, you're talking about the face mask by Miles Killebrew, two illegal formation penalties where the tackles weren't covered up. I mean, it, it was, they literally ran the gambit of penalties in this game. Just wildly crazy. I don't get it. But nonetheless, nine for 77 yards. Got to clean it up. And again, fragile team. Fragile team, they make stupid mental mistakes. Let's go to the third down defense. That's the next loser. The defense gave up 10 conversions to the Cardinals on 17 attempts. Arizona finished 10 for 17, well over 50%. People forget, last year at least, I'll have to have Dave double check for me, but last year the average was 40% conversion rate in the NFL. I like 50%. 40% is more of the league average. Arizona was 10 for 17. Let's go to the next loser. The red zone offense Steelers were one for three. The only conversion was that last Deontay Johnson touchdown in garbage time. I said in my X factor article prior to the game was my X factor was the red zone offense. I said, if they're going to win this game, they can't kick field goals and let a team hang around. Well, what happens on the opening drive? You kick a field goal. Then you go for it on fourth and goal from the one, and you can't get that yard. And what happens? You let them hang around. If they score two touchdowns there, 14 to nothing, that game's over before it ever started. It's over before it ever started. Guarantee it. But instead, the red zone offense continues to suck, and Mitch Trubisky said it after the game in his postgame press conference. He said it's 100% execution. He said it's literally that we're just not – practicing well enough, we're not playing well enough, that just reeks, reeks of an awful, awful coaching job and organizational plan moving forward. Okay, let's go to the next loser, the third down offense. They finished four for 11. Four for 11. And they didn't have a conversion for a long time. For a long time. People talk about situations, situational ball, as Mike Tom will say it, winning the weighty downs. It's a Tomlinism. Look at those third down numbers: Arizona ten for seventeen, Pittsburgh four for eleven. There is a that's a glaring right in the face, just smack you in the face. Look at this stat; that's one of the biggest reasons why they lost. And then the last loser is anyone that paid somehow, some way to see that game, whether it's Dave Schofield, season ticket holder, and all the other sixty thousand plus people that were there in Ackerman Stadium. Whether well, it's people like me that buy the Sunday ticket package so I can watch the Steelers in my house every single week. Maybe it's just the people that pay for cable or some type of internet provider that live in the area code that gets the game already. It doesn't matter. If you were a paying customer and you watched this game, we're all losers because of that. The game took Forever. I don't know when the game actually ended. It might have been like 5.30 or something. It's a 1 o'clock kickoff. I felt like I just watched a night game, and it's 1 o'clock in the morning. What was that? Oh, We're all losers. We're all on the loser list. There you go. All right, folks, that, that does it for me. I'm going to be back on Wednesday, no doubt about it. And on Tuesday, I'm going to be asking for questions for the mailbag segment. So make sure you're on the lookout for my Twitter feed at jhartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N underscore P-I-T. I will put out that tweet on Tuesday morning, and then that all, all the questions will be answered live on the air on Wednesday's Let's Ride podcast, so be on the lookout for that. But be on the lookout for all the Steel Curtain Network content, articles, you name it, steelcurtainnetwork.com. We're going to have a lot to discuss, and it's going to be really rapid fire here as we get ready for this Thursday night game, so be on the lookout. In the meantime, you know how we finish it up. Be safe, be kind, and God bless. Have a great start to your week, See you on Wednesday. My candles burning bright. I sleep for three to four hours every night. I Sipping coffee burning all day.